0: Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly.
1: How goes the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans? Greetings from Studio B, at 5800 Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, and we are set to deliver today. We've got a great, great show for you Today. Uh, as promised, Harry Connick Jr. makes his Black and Blue Report debut today. He'll be on with us to talk about his love for New Orleans and the Saints, his days on American Idol, and a whole lot more. That's a very, very good visit coming up for you here on today's podcast. Also, we'll hear from more from head coach Sean Payton. The New Orleans Saints head coach wrapped up his uh, media visit yesterday at the NFL owners' meetings. We shared some of that with you yesterday. We'll get you the third and final chunk of a nearly an hour long session as a part of our program today. And then, how about the Pelicans? Wow, what a win last night. The Pelicans took down the Los Angeles Clippers at Smoothie King Center by the score of 98 to 96. That's four straight wins now for the Pelicans. Let's see, Atlanta, Miami, Brooklyn, and now Chris Paul and the Clippers. A four game win streak is their first of the season. And they did it last night, shorthanded. Only nine guys were available for head coach Monty Williams. No Holiday, no Anderson, no Smith. We already knew that. But last night, no Brian Roberts, no Eric Gordon, and no Austin Rivers. So a ton of guys out of place and unavailable last night for the Pelicans, but they win by two. As a matter of fact, we're going to get our show started off on the right foot and play you some of the highlights from last night's big win. Let's do that now. Let's get our highlight pack out of the way. Pelicans winners over the Clippers last night. This is a bit of how I called it from the broadcast booth. Behind to shoot, down four points. Morrow feeds the post. to Aminu blocked right. Back to Morrow, cutting the lane. Puts it up off the glass and in. He banked it home. And Morrow now has eight to lead the Pelicans in scoring. Crawford for three angle left. Not again. He's now one three shy of Steve Nash for 11th place all time. That's because he's hit four threes now. In the first half, the Clippers have six in 10 tries in all and lead 40 to 37. Lob to the rim, alley missed by Jordan. He gotten a little push there from Steamer. Evans up the floor, Euro step around Paul, leaves left side for Davis, dunks and one. This crowd is foaming at the mouth here late first half. Davis will go to the line for a possible three point play. Over to Collison, corner left, seams it up. Wide open three's good. And a timeout for the Pelicans. Collison was open from here to Laplace. Knocked down the triple, that's the ninth three-pointer of the night for the Clippers. They're on a 9-0 run, and the Pelicans are struggling with six straight empty possessions. Crawford, pull back, step back, jumper, over right. Blocked by Davis, caught by Aminu, to Evans, up the floor for Davis, touch pass to Morrow, silent right for three, pow! Right in the kisser, 25 for Morrow and the Pelicans retake the lead 68 to 67. Boy, Davis could have scored it himself and found the better shot in Morrow. Evans down the left side of the lane. Stops, kicks the corner right. Three ball, Babbitt, no. Off the right side of the rim. Trying to get his own rebound, chased it down. Dump pass underneath, Alexi catches and dunks it home with the right hand. It's an eight nothing run for the Pelicans. Early fourth belongs to New Orleans. They lead by seven. Timeout Los Angeles. Warwick's ball to the timeout. Here's Tyreek Evans over to Miller. Angle right for three. Bang! Miller makes it 95-90. Darius Miller has 14 on 6 of 8 shooting. Man, has he come to play on a night where the Pelicans are shorthanded. All right, more on that big win in a moment. We'll uh, talk to Anthony Davis and hear from Anthony Morrow, two big stars last night for the Pelicans. And speaking of stars, still to come on the Black and Blue Report, Harry Connick Jr. today. And then Saints head coach, Sean Payton, a big, big Thursday, right here on the Black and Blue Report. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Friday, March 28th, when the Utah Jazz come to town. It's the year of the uniform at the Smoothie King Center, where the first 3,000 kids 13 and under receive Pelicans replica shorts, courtesy of Rouse's and Gatorade. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. With the Pelicans Fest game block party getting underway at 5.30. Featuring live music, interactive games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available now at Pelicans.com.
2: Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at IntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Energy videos walk you through it. Visit Energysavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Entergy. This is Pelican's
3: guard Anthony Morrow, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Still to come on today's show, Harry Connick Jr. and Saints head coach Sean Payton. Back to last night's win over the Los Angeles Clippers. The Pelicans now with 31 wins on the season. And again, winners of four straight. Anthony Davis sparkled again. He had a slow start, but proved that he could go toe-to-toe with Blake Griffin last night. He ended up with another double-double. 16 points, 13 rebounds, six block shots, all of which came in the third quarter. The six blocks in one quarter alone was yet another new franchise record for Anthony Davis. He stopped by the broadcast booth as he was walking off the floor last night following the Pelicans win. And here's what we had to talk about. Congratulations, Anthony. What a night at the arena.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, we just came out, got big rebounds. You know, Darius Miller, you know, played extremely well. He made big shots, wasn't afraid to shoot it. You know, AMO, um self-explanatory. Um, I think he had 28, something like that. You know, played big. Um, when we had guys down, so we're going we're gonna to need that, especially when me and Tyreek struggle from the field tonight. You know, guys stepped up.
1: Anthony, this is a Clipper team that physically has kind of had their way with you guys, and it looks like from the onset you weren't going to have any part of that tonight.
3: No, I mean, we knew they were going to try to come out in the second half and try to, you know, push us around and put their, put their hands on us, and we just said that we're not having it. You know, um, you know I think our guys did a great job, you know, being physical. You know with the, with their bigs and their guards as well fighting over screens. So um, that's what we got to do um, with every team. Um, they got to be physical. They just match that physicality um, or exceed it.
1: For the first time, is having Tyreek as your point guard, I mean like all night long, and with that changed up lineup, I thought you looked more comfortable than I thought you would tonight. Why is that?
3: Um, you know Tyreek, you know he, he's a great he's a great player. You know um, able to you know pass the ball. You know and I didn't have shots falling tonight. You know. Um, you know, he didn't have shots falling tonight. Uh, we knew who the hot hand was. You know, between uh, Amo and Darius, and we just keep feeding the ball. You know, we not care. We don't care about um, who scores as long as the ball going the basket from somebody. And um, that's what we are trying to do. You know, to play with Darius, hit a big three, then a big. Um, you know, mid range, and that's what we got to have, you know, guys stepping up. So we weren't trying to force the ball into, into me and Tyreek hands. Um, down the stretch, we were just going, we had the high hand.
1: All right, last thing, Anthony, before I let you get to the locker room. Hey, you missed the last free throw. I saw the look on your face. It wasn't a real pleasant look, but take me through the last defensive stand there. What was the mindset, or what did you feel you had to do to make sure they didn't score?
3: Um, Make sure that's it. I mean, just make sure they didn't score. We just try to stay down on all pump fakes, um, knowing they were going to try to go for a three, you know. Um, you know, they they called Blake, you know, called a play for Blake when he kept it and got the and one. You know, so we knew that they probably were going to try to run the same play and then try to hand it off to, uh, to Chris. So um, we just, you know, switched all picking and rolls and stayed down our pump face and made him shoot a contested jump shot, um, with the, which, which Darius did on Jamal Crawford, and we got the rebound and won the game.
1: Davis got help. Of course, Tyreek Evans was very strong and starting at point guard last night, 10 points, 9 assists. And Anthony Morrow set a new season high last night with 27 points. He was 2 of 5 from 3, 9 of 17 overall from the field, and just his fourth start of the season, kind of filling in for all the injured guys. Morrow really stepped up, 27 points in all, and he spoke with NBA TV from the locker room after the Pelicans win.
3: You know, I thank God for the opportunity. Um, teammates were really finding me, uh, setting great screens for me, you know, just looking for me on the break. And, uh, you know, Coach Monty, of course, put me in a lineup of that uh the shoot around and, just went from there, man. Trusting the system, just going out being aggressive and taking what the defense was giving me, and that was it. All right,
1: so one more game left on the homestand. The Pelicans will entertain the Utah Jazz tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow's Black and Blue Report will talk more Pelicans basketball and the NBA with Mark Stein of ESPN.com. When we come back to Studio B here on this Thursday, our first visit with Harry Connick, Jr., Son of New Orleans, American Idol star, big time
2: Saints fan. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are Ochsner. We're also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by US News and World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care. One more reason to choose Ochsner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, Connecting is as easy as finding the auctioneer name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind.
1: Back here on the Black and Blue Report, we are just, uh, what, hours now. I guess yesterday was the end of the NFL owners' meeting, and we're going to hear more from uh, head coach Sean Payton coming up. But uh, with regard to the NFL, we thought we'd really bring in a true Saints expert this morning. Um, We've got to get an analyst that can supersede all the others that we have on the Black and Blue Report. So I thought, Harry Connie Jr., why not? Uh, Harry Connie Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, here you are, Harry. I had to call you to get Saints analysis here after the NFL <laughs> owners meeting this week. How are you?
4: I'm great. I don't know if I call myself an expert, but I sure am a fan.
1: There's no doubt you have represented the black and gold all over the world now, and most notably on American Idol. So thanks from all of us here at uh, 5800 Airline Drive in the New Orleans Saints you sure have uh, made us proud. That's for sure.
4: Well, you know, the saints have made me proud. I've said this so many times, you know, I've been a fan since I was a kid. And, um, I remember, uh, after Katrina and I tell this to people, undoubtedly to me, the saints are the singular reason that new Orleans is back on the map. I mean, we have so much love for this team, uh, in the good times and the bad times. And, um, Fortunately, we've had so many good times recently, and it's just been uh, a pleasure to, to celebrate Coach Payton and and and, and Drew and, and the whole organization, and, and I talk about them and all over the world every chance I can.
1: Have you followed the offseason moves? What do you think about what Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton have done here?
4: Well, you know, it's, listen, I put all my faith in those guys. You know, I mean, it it, it hurts to lose, you know, some players that you've grown so fond of but listen these these guys know know what they're doing and um i'm just excited about um about the new pickups and i just we don't know anything like as i say we meaning like fans like you can look online and you know i, I have the who that app and I, mean, I try to follow stuff as much as i can but you never really know what go, what goes on behind the scenes so I put all my trust in, in Coach Payton and, and Mickey and, and uh, Mr. Benson and all everybody because I know that they, they really have the interest of the team at heart.
1: Son of New Orleans, Harry Connie Jr. here with us on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Harry, you tweeted with uh, head coach Sean Payton not too long ago. He seemed uh, unwilling to work the salary cap to get you in on the roster, and uh, you said that you were thinking about a position that you'd play with the Saints. What would that be?
4: Oh, I'd have to be tight end. You know, I'll I, I happily go in behind Jimmy and, and Ben because, uh, you know, I, I don't quite have the size. I'm running about 6'1", like 210, 215. I don't really have the speed, uh, but I have the enthusiasm.
3: Uh, I'm
4: not so sure how good I look in the uniform. Uh, I'll sing a hell of a national anthem. Um, I can really rally the team um, so I can give a different perspective. <laughs>
1: Well, at least you won't have to dunk over the goalpost now no. because that's illegal. So yeah,
4: you know, I, but I have a I have a solution to that for for uh, for Jimmy Graham. As opposed to dunking, I think he should just go and knock the goalpost down because there's no rule about that.
1: No, no, you're you're in the clear on that part. Uh, so I
4: think if he just rams the goalpost, it doesn't have to be hard. He have doesn't to have to knock it down. If he could just slightly. Just, just slightly knock it off axis, um, and that'll give me a whole new set of things to worry about. I'm a little bit bummed about the new rule, to be honest with you.
1: When Jimmy comes back around, I'm going to pass this along to him uh, and tell him that you that this was your idea, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got to ask you, what was your reaction when Drew Brees's face popped up on the big screen at American Idol?
4: <laughs> I love. I was actually well. I was surprised for two reasons. Drew knows I'm his. I'm his biggest fan. So the fact that I was legitimately surprised that he, he had that message for me, but I was actually like, he was saying, Hey, don't be, uh, don't be too hard on the kids. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Oh my God, like drew Drew, I mean, talk about a work ethic and people like beating fundamentals into your brain, your whole life. Um, I think I'm hoping he was kidding because I think it's important, uh, in, in any walk of life to, to work on your fundamentals and, and, uh, and so I know he was, I know he was kidding around um, because uh, it's important to get these kids to learn their craft, just like, you know, any pro athlete has to do.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, can you draw me a comparison between what you're doing as a judge and or mentor on American Idol and what goes on with a pro athlete? Are there any similarities between the two?
4: There's so, there's so many similarities, and you can use Drew Brees, who I think is the ultimate example of work ethic meets talent meets preparation. um, It's almost like some of these young performers have so much talent. They could walk onto a field and throw the ball 80 yards on their knees, but they don't necessarily know all the rules of the game. They don't know anything about footwork at this point. Um, Did they have the capacity to learn? Yes, they really do. I mean, they are really, really good, really, really talented, but they have to learn the fundamentals and, and the, the more complex the rules get, um, the, 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 the harder the game is. And, um, so what I try to do is we, I told him on the show the other night when drew came on, I said, listen, you guys, you're all here. We, we know that you all have huge amounts of talent. So let's set that aside for a minute and work on how can you get better? Um, and quite frankly, sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable to hear things, um, that, that sting you know uh, like what can you do to get better but I think it's important that they hear and it all comes from a place of great love and care because all of these young performers really have what it takes.
1: Our Saints analyst Harry Connick Jr. is with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Harry uh, American Idol is really heating up now and um, you know you and I are similar in age and and I'm somewhat stunned by how much you've packed into your career as far as Everything from acting and performing and, and writing and, and composing, all of it. And now this, this new phase of your career with American Idol, has it, has it changed you in any way? How are you different with this experience?
4: Well, it's really, you know, I, I don't know if it's changed me. I, I think there have been some, some young people like, you know, early teens probably that have been exposed to what I do that maybe didn't know. A lot, a lot of the, the, the very young people in the audience, you know, they may know me from from television or or movies, but uh, they may not know some of my music. So that's been pretty cool, you know, to to, to kind of turn some 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 new listeners on. Um, but you know, it's it's the entertainment business, and it's uh, it's it's up and down. It's very unpredictable. You you never really know. It's around the bend. Um, but it's it's been a great experience. I mean, Jennifer Lopez and Keith Urban are two of the nicest people you want to meet. Um, Ryan Seacrest and Randy Jackson, the whole team uh, could not have been more welcoming. And uh, we're just having a great time.
1: Speaking of your music, so last night uh, the New Orleans Pelicans pulled off a huge win in the NBA, uh, beating the Los Angeles Clippers. I called the game on the radio. I was so keyed up. I knew that I had to get to sleep at some point for our, our big visit today. Uh, Is that so five in a row? That's, uh, that's uh, five in a row. You're right. No, four in a row. Excuse me. Four in a okay. row. We're one off. Um so on my way home I knew that I had to kind of bring it down a notch every man should know ripping through yeah. the speakers across the causeway. <laughs> um maybe you should tell me about your latest musical effort and maybe you should share with everyone what every man should know.
4: Well the good, the good thing about being a, a songwriter is that you can you can make stuff up and fantasize and if if I knew what every man should know I I I'd, I'd be the a wealthy wealthy man I guess but you know for for the the album is called Every Man Should Know and um you know, I basically wrote it thinking, um, like for example, when I go to a Saints game and I and I see somebody like like Drew Brees or any of those players, and I say, we all wish we could do that, right? I mean, we all fantasize about that. Um, and then, when, you know, when I see a, a great uh, work of art, or if I'm on an airplane and the pilots flying the plane, I think, God, wouldn't it be cool to do that? I can't do any of those things, but but I do, you know, love my my wife and my family, and I think. We all have the capacity to to love, and that's basically what the song uh, is about. That we all the, what makes the world go round is all of these different talents and skills. Uh, but but what holds us together is is the capacity to love.
1: Speaking, it's that's well said. There's no doubt about that. Speaking, Harry, of things that men do know or think they know. Um, we have a mutual friend in Jeremy Davenport, who's yes. doing his thing over there at the Ritz-Carlton. At, you know, one of my favorite spots in the city. Um, He said that I should tease you about a little visit to a pharmacy in the south of France while you two were still touring together. Um, I remember. Is this about the sunburn? This is about the sunburn. He said that you all went into a pharmacy, and you you were acting pretty cool about knowing your way around a French pharmacy, tried to get Jeremy some sunblock. As he said, it it turned out to be some sort of oil that he applied to his chest that resulted in, like, third-degree burns. (laughs) Well,
4: what happened, the weather was great, and, and and we all were kind of laying out uh, catching some of that uh, some of that French sunshine and my buddy Tracy Freeman w- I think was laying on his back jeremy was laying on his stomach and they put this, this sun oil on and man they got burned like you cannot believe I've never seen anything like it I mean for a couple of I th- a couple of weeks I, th- I think I mean it, it was awful blistered and te- I felt so bad I thought it was just I don't know what it was. It must have been like uh, baby oil or something. Boy, it was terrible. My my French isn't as good as I thought.
1: Apparently not. I thought it was quite amusing, and uh, I can't imagine Jeremy in that situation. Uh, it's your dad's birthday today, isn't it? The former district attorney, Mr. Connick? That's it. He's 88. Wow. Wow. Um, th- he is really the center of your eye, isn't he? I mean, other than your your lovely wife and children, your father has been a huge influence on you, hasn't he?
4: He really has, you know, I still call my dad and um ask him for advice and um you know, he he critiques me all the time and 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 I listen very carefully because um you know, I ca- I like I I called him this morning and we were talking about the the American Idol show last night and I just like to hear what he says. Like he was saying um, you know, being in political debates, you have a very short amount of time to sort of make the point that you're trying to make um and and what I'm doing isn't a, is a debate, but just, just um, how can I be more articulate and how can I be more helpful? Um, and he's just great at that. He, he has an immense amount of experience, and uh, I just really look up to him. And I feel so lucky that you know I'm 46 years old. I can pick up the phone. I can call my dad, and um, and we can laugh. We can. Uh, talk about the old days, and I can learn from them. It's just a great blessing.
1: Harry, you're a Jesuit guy, aren't you? I am. Uh, is the story true that you used to entertain during the lunch hour at the piano at Jesuit? Oh, yeah. I,
4: I used to do that all the time. Uh, in fact, the people who knew me at Jesuit probably remember that I enjoyed that more than what I was there for, which was <laughs> going to school and getting an education, but i had a i had a great time at jesuit and and they were always very supportive of me giving lunchtime concerts and um doing extracurricular stuff they were they were great you know uh, especially then because nowadays the arts i think um i don't know they're a little bit more accepted i guess like being a musician in a, in an in an academic environment i think seems to be more accepted i'm not sure why i'm not even sure if that's accurate that's just the feeling i get but you know i went to jesus from like 81 to 85 and you know it's it was a little unusual i guess uh, for me to be doing those things And, and and all the faculty there and the other students they were always really supportive
1: harry Connick jr with us here on the black and blue report about to wrap up our visit a very special one at that with harry uh harry i I will ask you about american idol before we get off here but i do want to ask you to share perhaps how you go about your saints game day and i'm sure it's been difficult over the years touring the world and performing in a variety of different cities but for you when it comes around to a black and gold sunday or a big saints game what better happen in your household
4: well i i in i'm in one of three places one is either at the game which is unfortunately infrequent because i travel a lot two is at my house everything shuts down at my house my my wife is a huge saints fan in fact um she i think would leave me for jimmy graham and i'm not kidding about that <laughs> um my kids are saints fans everything shuts down if you don't want watch the saints game then you have to you just have to leave um or i might be on the the road somewhere um the the last time this happened to me is uh that that awful defeat against uh, New England in the last seconds and I was actually uh, auditioning for American Idol and I was just beside myself um because I don't miss games and what am I supposed to do? I can't you know it was happening at the same time uh and and as professional as I try to be uh it was distracting. I was distracted. I was uncomfortable. I was um, irritable because I knew that the Saints were playing at the very same time I was listening to these singers. So it was, it was, it was awful. I hope it never happens again. But we worked this into my schedule. I mean, I tell my manager, don't, don't book me on those days because it's going to be ugly.
1: Well, I think that I think that you share that in common with everybody else around of here. Oh, everybody yeah. gets it. <laughs> will you will you bring Keith Urban and Jennifer Lopez and maybe that Seacrest guy too to a Saints game and really show them what a good weekend around here is like?
4: Listen, Je- Jennifer has worn black and gold twice and I and I now she knows. I said, You know what you're wearing, right? She goes, Okay, who that, who that I get it, I get it. I'm a Saints fan. I would I would love to bring them because I watched that New England game with Keith and um I I think he he saw a side of me he had never seen because um it's so emotional, man. It's just so intense uh watching watching those games and I I think they both get it. Like, man, this is this is something that we don't really understand because if you're not and you don't see it in any other city. Like, I know people from Seattle, I know people from New York, from Chicago, from Dallas. They're all diehard fans, but there's something else it's like a, it's just a, it's a deep, deep connection, and it goes beyond football. And, and unless you're from New Orleans, you don't understand. No, you the, just don't get it.
1: They don't get it. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. Um, you've got Hudat, you've got, you know, when the Saints go marching in. Would you, would you give some thought to maybe composing and arranging maybe a quintessential Saints song? Would you give that any thought?
4: Oh, I'd, I'd love it. I'd love to do that.
1: And I don't know what kind of a style it would be. I, I'm sure you'd have a better take It'd on have that than rocking, I would. It has to
4: be rocking, man. It to be rocking because, um, you know, all the people want to do is is have fun and dance and, and party. So it would have to be a a really driving kind of New Orleans groove and a feel good tune. That's that's a great idea. You know, I guess those the songs that are already written are are so well loved that. Um, they never even occurred to me to do it, but maybe I'll give it a shot.
1: Yeah, you know, I just I, I, I think the whole crunk thing is kind of past me at this point. Um, and maybe in the ten to twelve minutes that you have in your spare time, you could you could maybe start to think. <laughs> I'm about I'm not this. over
4: the crunk thing, man. I, I think we got to give it another year or two.
1: Another year or two? Okay. All right. I'm still enough.
4: feeling it, man. I, I still I still get chills when I hear it.
1: <laughs> well, it does provide us a winning feeling, that's for sure. Um, you know what? You're a big, big star, and uh, but you're our star, so I don't have any problems with having you on this show. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm infringing imprig- uh, on Jimmy Kimmel or anybody else that you've been on recently. No, so,
4: man, not at all. I'm, I, I'm, I'm honored, man. I'm. People from New Orleans know how I feel about the city and about the team, so I'm, I'm so honored to be able to spend some time with you.
1: I appreciate it very much. I, you know, I'd love to have you when we get cranking on the season. Um, maybe uh, every once in a while you pop in with uh, your analysis of how things are going. How about that? Man,
4: people, they don't want to hear my analysis. (laughs) I'm teasing you.
1: Yeah. But at least maybe check in and see how you like how things are going. I
4: would love it.
1: All right. Hey, best of luck. Uh, American Idol uh, wraps up. How close are we now?
4: We have nine. After tonight, there will be eight left. Wow. So eight weeks.
1: All right. So on Fox tonight, um, Central Time, 7, correct?
4: Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. I think it might be, I don't know.
1: Yep, because I'm getting confused. I've been in three different time zones in the last two weeks. So. Yeah, I'm confused too. All right, but tonight, American Idol on Fox, and after tonight, we're down to nine. That's, uh, down to eight. Down to eight. I'm yeah. with you now. Congratulations, Harry. We are uh, so proud of you here. You're doing a great thing on American Idol, and uh, keep representing New Orleans as you always have. Thanks for having me, man. Harry Connie Jr. with us here on the Black and Blue Report. More to come, including head coach Sean Payton right after this. One of the advantages we have here on the Black and Blue Report, with it being a podcast, there there aren't really any rules. We already call it No Appointment Radio, but uh, kind of like the Little Caesars commercial, and there's a free plug for them. Uh, there are no rules. So we are not constrained by um, uh, time or um, format or anything else. It, with that being said, a lot of times... The things that come out of the Saints and the Pelicans, we want to give you the full length. We want you to hear it all for yourself, judge for yourself, enjoy all of it. And certainly that's what we're doing this week with uh, Sean Payton's media availability at the NFL owners meetings. Yesterday we played you the two first big chunks of his nearly hour-long session with the media. Today we want to wrap that up and play for you the uh, final chunk of the uh, Sean Payton availability this week. A couple of things were discussed or are being discussed in this upcoming segment you're about to hear uh, namely training camp uh, and player development and along the lines of player development the media asked Coach Payton yesterday morning about the future Uh, and and not maybe the immediate future but the future surrounding the quarterback position. Uh, It's no secret Drew Brees' age but it is also quite uh, proven his effectiveness at this point so while there's no immediate need to uh, to have a great concern about the quarterback position one must look to the future and be prepared and with that coach Payton was asked about that process uh, in getting ready for the future or the down the road if you will at quarterback
5: number one we're always in the business of developing young players and so they, they come in all rounds too you know Ryan Griffin from Tulane as a free agent last year really impressed a lot of us. Luke McCown uh, has a clear role and is someone that you know we'd like to sign back with. Um, So I don't know that you go into A-Draft and said, all right, put on your gloves, guys, here we go, this is it. Um, but you are, you are paying attention to that market, that specific position market each year because it, it it's it's a little bit like that um, that high-end delicatessen item that doesn't come in every day and so you're always waiting to make sure that that something's not on the shelf that I think it's important to pay attention to that uh, and and we're fortunate to have a player like Drews you either have one or you're always looking for one and then um, and then I think it's important that, that that constant development or vision of developing one exists. And Chase recently went to Kansas City. Uh, Ryan's a young player now. We'll spend a lot of time with him. And But you're not afraid each year to, to see if you can secure someone that fits what you want. And so, again, that's not just anyone. It's someone that you, you have a vision for. Um, I think you approach it that way. I don't think there's a specific season or year. Sean, could you talk about training camp in West Virginia? I know the change of pace is the motivation there. Just talk about the movement. Well, we were, we were fortunate enough to have met with uh, Jim Justice, who, who really, he along with uh, James Nagoka and Mickey, um, he, he's the gentleman that owns the Greenbrier. And a few years ago, Mickey had mentioned that facility. Um, I had never been there or heard of it. Till this past summer, and I caddied in an event there. And it's kind of off the beaten path, if you will, a little bit. But it's a beautiful place. Uh, the idea of us possibly looking at it as a training camp venue then started to maybe gain a little momentum. And you know, here we are, let's say four or five months after the process began, and uh, and we'll start our training camp there. You know, we'll wait and see when the preseason schedule comes out. Um, 15 days back from that first preseason game, typically we start camp, which is still an odd rule. But nonetheless, um, we'll have our training camp probably through the week leading up to the second preseason game, so about a month, and then uh, head back home to New Orleans and then have the same amount of time in New Orleans for our fans. But I, I do like the idea that it's a change, um, we've been in Jackson. We've been at home in New Orleans. We've been in Oxnard, California. The team's been in Wisconsin for a number of years. Uh, I think the climate is very uh, conducive to, uh, to training, and the facility that's being built is amazing. You know, The, the opportunity uh, to have everything right there, There's two grass fields, uh, artist, artificial surface field, your locker rooms, meeting rooms, cafeteria, uh, right across the street from the hotel, um, the setup is very, very efficient, and it really, it really was the vision of a few people. And, and Jim Justice did a great job uh, of looking at it long term, and then looking at what he could provide. And I know it's in conjunction with some other efforts that they're going to have there with Dr. Andrews and his clinic, but. Uh, we're we're excited to announce that, and we're excited to you know, start our camp there, and then yet yeah, get back to New Orleans. It'll give us a pretty good, I think, balance of heat, and then also, um, I don't want to say optimum conditions because it's you know it's pretty pretty warm anywhere you're at. It's just a little cooler than the humidity we might get, you know, for the full five weeks in Metairie. In terms of bonding, though, getting the guys away from New Orleans, you mentioned all the other I like that. Is that a bit... I like that. Yeah, I like. The the experience we had early in in Jackson was difficult because of so much going on post-Katrina, but, um, yeah, I think that's important, and and I think this is a a venue that can provide that. You know, it's it's separate from a lot of existence. You know, you've got to find it, really takes a while. I mean, you mentioned post Katrina.
2: Every season has its own care for instance like model coming back and sort of the power for the whole season. What do you feel it is this
5: year? I think it's the it's it's you know again having been in the postseason and and then you know winning the first playoff game and, and then falling short to a real good Seattle team. Uh, I think it's 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 that sense of urgency to to get better to prepare to play in that same type of game again which which is which has been the kind of a tougher road trying to you know getting to that first super bowl or actually trying to get back to it i think they're equally difficult i think when you you win that first one there's that that sense of excitement and 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 then you kind of caught the chicken proverbially and and then you let it go and you start chasing it again so i think it's i think they're um they're both challenging and i know this though once you tasted it and had a chance to experience it uh you recognize how special it is and 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 how much it's worth it so it's a journey comes like ignorance is bliss like if you've never tasted a great steak you don't know what you're missing right right you kind of remember a little bit kind of think you do And, and uh, but uh, this is a different team it's an entirely different team and it, it's unique it's unusual to see how quickly uh, and it's not just us this is, this is our league how quickly in five years a roster just moves with uh, I don't know what the average attrition is every season but I mentioned earlier that there aren't any players on, on defense now from that team and there's probably a half a dozen left, you know, in its entirety. So it just happens very quick. Coach, there lots of conversation about locker room culture uh, here this week and the NFL brought in Wade Davis to talk about that in regards to TK players. What did you take away from this presentation? It was outstanding. It was outstanding. You know, some people have a unique command in a room, and, and he's one of those speakers. And I think it's a difficult group to speak to. You know, your first time when you look at all all the owners in our league, general managers, and head coaches. But he was very, very confident, uh, very honest, and I think every one of us that sat in there found him to be, and probably one of the most, I would say, meaningful or productive portions of this, this week here would, would have been his time speaking. Uh, I, I thought it was outstanding.
3: your former player,
5: Jonathan Vilma, said that he does not want to have a gate to Mays. So he's, he's changed that a little bit, but is it a conversation that you're willing to go back to the team and, and have with them? Well, I, I think this, Carcel said it best last year. He said, you know, winning teams and winning locker rooms open players of all diversity. They really do can help them win their doors wide open and they tend to push out those players they feel like can't help them win and so uh, I mentioned to Troy Vincent after he spoke yesterday to really go back and and grab Bill's speech which I thought was one of the better Hall of Fame speeches that that I've heard and not just because I'm close with Bill but it was outstanding and I think certainly as an organization as a locker room we, we look at diversity to include uh, a gay football player. Uh, and I know that, I just know how the, our locker room is. And, and it's something we, we spend time on with regards to um, the respect of others and, and the mission statement being winning. And if those things uh, are pointed in the right direction, the other stuff is, uh, is, is not that important, really. What are some of the holes you're looking at, Phil? Uh, I would think to me you probably want to get uh, you know a receiver
1: in, and uh, I don't know there's going to be competition up corner. What are some of the holes maybe you're looking at that
5: you go into practice? But you always put you always out. put a value on on corners and pass rushers, right? Defensively, I think that offensively um, we've been able to hit on some young linemen. We had five free agents, six free agents from last year's class in the draft make the team. So I think that you, you look at you look at your linemen, you look at the board, and, and are we going to be able to you know find an inside player potentially? Are we going to be able to find? And you don't stop looking for a tight end, you know. But I think those those coveted spots, though, you're always in the business for. And what I mean by that is pass rushers and, and guys that can cover. Um, It's a deep draft, we think, of receivers, so there's a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams that are going to have opportunities to draft maybe a good player there and kind of go from there.
1: All right, so that wraps up our full-length coverage of head coach Sean Payton's uh, talk this week at the NFL owners' meetings. Uh, The guys are now looking forward, of course, to the NFL draft, and we'll ramp our coverage up on the black and blue report as we get closer to uh, the first part of May where the NFL draft now resides when we come back we'll wrap up today's show and uh, we'll preview tonight's Monty Williams show which is on your radio tonight at the uh, flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans radio network that's WWLFM. details on that and a few thoughts about tomorrow's show when we come back
5: I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith every day one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger I'm attorney Morris Spark, and every day Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need.
1: That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger.
5: Text the word Pelicans to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans gear, floor seats to a game, and much more.
1: Join us, because together we can solve hunger.
0: New Orleans Pelicans season ticket holders are with the team at the perfect time. Our season ticket holders continue to enjoy benefits that include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions and merchandise, access to the Zataran season ticket holder pregame party, and much more. You'll want to be with us as we take the team to the next level. Plus, season ticket holders renewing their seats by March 31st will lock in the best price for next season. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to renew your seats today. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Had a lot of fun today, and of course, we'll uh, ask that you help us spread the word about today's Black and Blue Report and all the ones that we produce. This is for you, podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. The Black and Blue Report is available Monday through Friday, anytime after noon central. We call it no appointment radio. You might call it a podcast, uh, you know, whatever you like. Um, It's available, of course, on iTunes for free and also available on the two team apps and on your desktop at both of the uh, team uh, websites. That's NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Our special thanks to Harry Connick Jr. for stopping by today. Also, I want to thank those who gathered the sound to uh, bring you Sean Payton and, of course, to Daniel Salerson for helping us relive last night's big Pelicans win over the Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to have a fun show tomorrow, too. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Mark Stein from ESPN, and we'll preview the Pelicans and the Jazz. Who knows, uh, as we say, who knows who else will stop by for tomorrow, the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Don't forget, tonight is the Monty Williams show. We're down to four left, I think. Um, And so tonight we have perhaps um, a lot of fun things to talk about as the Pelicans have reached a four- game win streak that's yours at 8 Central tonight on the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio network 1053 Wwl FM'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, give you a little preview of Mark Stein's visit on Black and Blue report tomorrow during the Monty Williams Show tonight We'll give you a highlight recap of these last four wins and of course we'll have our most extensive visit of the week with the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans Monty Williams Show tonight. That'll do it for us over here at Studio B. Time to move along. Time for you to enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Oh, and as Harry reminded us earlier, don't forget American Idol tonight uh, on Fox. And uh, we'll check that out and see if if he has uh, any Saints references in tonight's show. That'll do it for us. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while.